Welcome to the Best Boss Ever podcast. I'm your host, Christine LaPerriere, president of Leader in Motion. On this show, we're going to gossip about the best boss you ever had. We're going to hear stories about things that they did that helped you feel valued, helped you feel engaged, and really inspired you. We want to hear about the bosses that changed the way you look at everything. If you want to hear more, join me at christinelaperriere.com and sign up for our newsletter, The Whip. So welcome to The Best Boss Ever. And today I have Suzanne Waugh on with me from McCormick. Suzanne, hello. Hi there, Christine. Great to see you. Thank you for having me on the show. I've had the luxury of working with you for over 10 years now and watching you as a leader just bloom through the years. So it's a really special thing to get a chance to have this conversation today. And I also know who one of the best bosses ever that you've worked for is. I have a massive, massive amount of respect for her. So I couldn't help but bring this topic forward today. So Suzanne, please introduce yourself first. Hi, everybody. My name is Suzanne Roy, and I'm the Vice President of Sales and Marketing for McCormick & Company, and I am based at headquarters in Maryland in the U.S. Excellent. I know today's topic is going to be a bit emotional, but can you tell us who your best boss ever is? Actually, I can. And um, I have to say, this is a real honor. So my best boss ever was Megan Ford, who actually was my boss for almost the last, I would say, eight years. Unfortunately, we lost Megan a couple of months ago. So this just means the world to be able to honor and kind of remember why we were all so attached, actually so inspired by her leadership. Thank you so much. Can you tell me some of the great qualities of Megan? Absolutely. I remember the first time I met Megan, there was an ease about her, although she was a woman leader and an important leader for our organization. And she could have been intimidating, but she just wasn't. She had this warmth about her. She had this inviting nature about her. And I think the thing for me that marked me the most over the years was her generosity of herself and her time. And that just allowed her to have an impact so much broader than what many leaders will have a chance to have in their career. And it's amazing when you talk about her, those qualities strike me because in my time working with McCormick, I had just a few interactions with her, but that was exactly the impression. It was like, she was just so generous and she's so senior that I was always very intimidated when I walked in the door. And then within a couple seconds, I'd calm right down. Yep. That describes Megan. <laughs> Absolutely. Can you tell us some more examples and qualities, things you've grown to admire in her? Yeah, I think. And again, I mean, I had the pleasure of seeing Megan also grow as a leader throughout her career. So from a vice president to really stepping out of our business for a period of time and then really being the first woman president of our U.S. business. What I really saw was that Megan over the years just grew in confidence and in presence, she found a way to simplify the way that she talked about her business. And when you think about the B2B business that she led in a pretty large CPG company, um, her ability to simplify, teach, and attract talent because of the passion that she had for it, she just had a way 
of being able to demystify and simplify to the easiest denominator for people to be able to grasp what our business was really about and how it was different. She could distill it down to the simplest terms, help bring people on board. Yeah, and she could, I mean, we talk a lot about storytelling, but I think she had a way of giving you examples that were both easy to understand, but very, very relatable which I think just, again, just allowed for us to get much better oversight. Can you think of a specific time when you were talking to her about something tough and how she guided you through that? I mean, over the years, every business goes through its challenges. And when we face some really hard times, some times where we didn't necessarily have our entire business being as efficient and as effective and have the optimal service agenda and really deliverables. And she would have a way of allowing you to realize that everything was about a journey. She would walk you through the fact that this was a marathon in order to really transform and make progress, that things need to be done in stages and that you needed to have patience because that is the way that you had the ability to really get traction. And I think she allowed you the opportunity to express your frustration, but she also gave you the opportunity to walk out of a conversation feeling more confident and reminding you of why she was confident that we would be in a position to make progress. And you always, at least I have to say for me personally, I always walked out of a conversation feeling more uplifted than I did when I walked in. And to me, that's an incredible trait for a leader. That is an incredible trait when I think of a best boss, the ability to uplift people when they're not, when they feel stuck or they feel frustrated or they feel impatient. You know, all of those feelings can become quite toxic if nobody actually leads in that moment, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm just kind of curious when you think of leadership and what you've seen, what's the impact of having? a best boss in a role like that? Like people question, like, what does that do to the bottom line? How does that impact the results? A lot of companies talk about engagement and how engaged employees will drive a higher level of efficiency. And I would even say of performance. And I think having a best boss does that, but it does it in a way that allows you to remember the people aspect of leadership and not just the results that are expected of a leader. And I think Megan had just a remarkable balance between those two. You never felt as if the performance would come ahead of the people. And I think that made you want to work even harder on her behalf and wanted you to kind of follow her because of the passion that she had and her ability to maneuver the balance of people and performance. I mean, if you were to just kind of summarize, like I know that there's some incredible work that you're doing on the behalf of marking her legacy. Can you just tell us a little bit about that? I think what marked me the most when Megan was recognized at her funeral was actually her husband who asked everybody to pay it forward. And for me, that really made an impression on me. And I have to say, There is not an interaction at work today where I don't think of whether or not I have left the person that I've just interacted with in a better or worse place. 
And if I have the ability of getting people to feel better after an interaction, to me, that is the best recognition of just the sheer aura that she had the ability to have over this organization and her team. And, and it allows me to make sure that I keep part of her. The other thing for me that I continue to think about when I'm in situations that are probably <laughs> challenging is I take a step back and this might sound really cliche, but I, I think about what would Megan do? And it often helps me affirm what my intuition is, because it's not always easy, especially when you're being tested in new roles and so on. But for me, it gives me the confidence to take a step back and just kind of use that as a benchmark. Not that I'm trying to emulate, but I sure want to have the opportunity to be able to inspire and make sure that this has not happened in vain. And that for me is important. And I mean, one thing I'll just say, kind of given that I knew her as well, like she was taken too soon and we all agree with that. And it was very surprising. I feel like the first thought I had is, what do you want people to say if something like that happens? If you're gone tomorrow, like, what do you want people to say about you? And I just, I feel like everybody, what they say about Megan is just so beautiful that I think to myself, what a life well lived. If that's the impact that you left, how beautiful is that? What I think is the other amazing thing is at any point you can look around at least her segment and you can see the people that she brought over to our part of the business. And this was not, again, I mean, Flavor Solutions was not always the place where everybody wanted to migrate to. But I think the passion that she had and exuded and expressed for it we can look around the room and wink and know and nudge that we were selected by her to be part of her group. And that for me is a legacy that is incredible. And she continues to bring people together, although she's not necessarily doing it with us on a day-to-day basis, which I think is an incredible memory about what she did so well. That's amazing. I know that this shaped you, this experience shaped you. If you were going to bring on a brand new leader and start to mentor them and take what you've learned from this experience and try to integrate it into the way that you mentor or help bring up future leaders, what are some of the things that you would tell them or what some of the pieces of wisdom that you would suggest? Never let performance come ahead of people would be one of them. If you had good news or bad news, would you want to be the kind of person that you would want to share it with? And I think the ability for people to know that they can do it in either situations, I think is really important for new bosses and new leaders. I would say, be mindful of whether or not you build confidence and build trust and build credibility in the people that you engage with. Because I feel like as a leader, you do that through transparency and honesty, but you also do that with allowing people the freedom and the opportunity to prove themselves. And I think it's such an important trait for a leader to make sure that people feel uplifted and stronger because they know that they have your support. To me, these would be the three things that I think really have changed the way that I think about leadership. It sounds like she didn't need to use status to gain respect. No, never. The other part, 
for me was consistency. Consistency and availability, I think, are two other attributes that I think are really important. I think consistency was no matter who she engaged with, she was always consistent. She was always authentic. And you could see that whether she was engaging with interns that were coming into our company or whether she was engaging with the CEO of a company or the CEO of her own company. She was very consistent. And again, I think that builds trust and credibility. I think that is one of the most endearing and important attributes, especially for people that are customer facing. I think that was the other element. And I think the generosity aspect of her time made it that if she thought that you needed her, she never made you feel like it was after hours. She never made you feel like it was before hours. She just, again, had this generosity of her time that despite how busy she was, you always knew that if you needed to get a hold of her, you could. What I also loved about Megan's demeanor was Megan was not high maintenance. In its simplest form, someone that could just go with whatever. And I think, especially as younger talent and new leaders, you're already stressed enough trying to do what you need to do. And of course, you continuously try to please and make an impression on your boss. She just allowed you to not have that pressure. And I had another boss who had also that kind of demeanor where it was just kind of a, listen, these things happen, or, you know, we'd be traveling together. She would not be the one that would be sitting in a different spot. She would actually be the one that would be in back of the plane and nothing was a big deal. And that to me spoke a lot about the demeanor with which she did business. And I think as a boss, it kind of went completely against so many stereotypes we've got about what bosses are like. And I absolutely love that. And again, for me, it made an impression on me without a doubt. I love that. That is so good. That is so good. That's such a good point. And you brought up the idea of how she contradicted stereotypes of bosses. That makes an impact on me. You know, I think that the other piece, the difference that I also saw was this love to win. I mean, there's no question about it. She had a love to win. I mean, failure was not an option. And that was in her business and that was with her customers. And But it never came at the expense or in a way that made you feel like that was more important than anything else. And I think that, again, was just a really good example of how you can win but it doesn't have to come at the expense of anything. She liked to win when it was a win for everyone. She loved to win. She was a master negotiator like no other. And she did it in a way that left both parties just feeling really good. And again, it may sound like, don't get me wrong, Megan grew into that role in a way that just made such an impression. And for me, those are the things that have, have honestly made a difference in the way that I lead and the way that I interact with people today. That's my honor to her. Hearing about this like gave me a lot of pause because of how many years I've heard people speak. Like I've coached everybody that worked for her and the way people talk about their bosses or their bosses' bosses, like it tells you so much about a person. So even though I didn't interact with her often, there was so much that I gathered just from 
the way people talked about her candidly behind the scenes. And so I had a massive amount of respect for her. People don't come into a coaching conversation and speak candidly and still say very respectful things to their bosses and their bosses' bosses. <laughs> and you know what? She was good, but she worked at it. Again, let's not kid ourselves. This was not an easy, it's not as if everything came necessarily without, without work. I think she naturally had an ability to engage with people and to be generous with her time. And, and that was very important to her. But I mean, she worked at it and she worked at it constantly and continuously. And I think, again, that says a lot about how she progressed as a leader through the organization. And I can still remember my first and my last interaction with her. That's just the journey that she did that I always paid attention to. Can you tell us about the first and the last interaction? Yeah, the first interaction, I was still in Canada. She was leading one of our largest customers and she was actually she was actually battling her first round of breast cancer. And she had this beautiful silk scarf on her head and again this generosity of time. She just gave me the advice as I was starting to interact in with the US group about kind of what to think about and she took the time to understand why I felt like it was a, why what I wanted to share with her was important. I just felt like, again, what I had shared with her really mattered. And I think that was amazing. And here's the funny thing is my last interaction with her was on the same tone, but almost 12 years later. And it was her sharing just what she aspired for me and, and what she had planned for me The fact that I had a chance to hear that from her, I feel like was almost kind of the beginning and the closure of her ability to influence my career. That really meant a lot. I think about it every day. That is absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much, Suzanne, for a phenomenal interview. I know this was an emotional one. Again, we need to bring these leaders and help share their legacies with everybody. So thank you for taking the time. And I know it was a tough conversation, but thank you. Thank you so much. This was really, this was an honor. It meant a lot. If you want to hear more, join me at christinelaperriere.com and sign up for our newsletter, The Whip.